I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. Hello, episode 107. It has been a good season so far in college football and in the NFL. And I think we've got a lot of storylines that we really didn't see coming in either of these competitions, and we're going to go over those today for sure. I really have enjoyed this uh, second stretch of the Wong Takes. It's been really fun. I was getting to talk with you guys, uh, even from here at college. I didn't know if I was going to be able to keep doing this, but, you know, once I, I said it already, but once football season came around, I just... I just couldn't resist, and so here we are. But the MLB playoffs being around is great. Uh, basketball season is just getting started, I believe, tonight. Uh, and I'm very excited for that, as I think we all are. It, it's, a, it's, it's as wide open as it's ever been as far as who's going to win the championship or even who's going to make the playoffs. And so I'm really excited uh, to start watching that again and my Warriors, uh, of course. But first, let's look back at what happened this week uh, in college football week eight. First, the local hour, depressing. Uh, Cal, on its schedule, knew that it had some tough games left. Got to go, you know, to Utah coming up this week, uh, to Stanford, uh, bringing in Washington State, going to UCLA. All conference matchups. We didn't see this one, though, against Oregon State being the one. That would result in a loss. Uh, the Bears fell this weekend to the Beavers of Corvallis, 21-17 at Memorial Stadium. As a fan there, it was a little depressing. Um, but early on, it was just uh, really a continuation of the second half of the Oregon game where they could just get nothing going offensively. It really got that feeling again where it's like, the other team's offense is going to Put, on, put some points on the board at some point, and if you're not going to be able to capitalize on early chances, um, that's going to be that's going to significantly reduce your chances of being able to come away with this game. And what was surprising, though, was not just the offensive struggles, but some of the defensive struggles, um, especially toward the end of the game. It really looked like they had a hard time getting penetration and getting push in the backfield. I mean, for parts of this game. That Oregon State O-line just ran them over, and the running backs were consistently getting, you know, seven, eight yards on first down, and it was really setting them up in good position for later downs. And if and for the Cal defense, that just can't happen if they want to win games. The offense did get going in the third quarter in particular. It was fun. Um, and it, it really was the case for Modster like it was for Garbers, where once they started to unleash him, let him throw it deep, take some chances uh it was a net positive because you know it's better when you have a about the same or a little less conversion rate but on big plays than a slightly higher conversion rate on small plays you know and taking those downfield shots receivers were getting separation it was starting to look like the cow offense was coming to life again but of course right as that's happening devon modster gets injured uh and we had to bring in a true freshman quarterback, which is kind of scary to think that uh, 
the, the quarterback for the Bears the same age as me, or the same grade as me. But that was the case, and it, it was just all like the Arizona State game all over again. Um, because you have a quarterback that's playing well, you look like you're on your way to a win, and then they go down, and your offense can't do anything, particularly in the clutch. I got a similar feeling of dread over the last couple of drives of like, yeah, I don't, I have absolutely zero faith in this offense. And I usually am a, an, I'm a pretty optimistic person, but the Arizona State game and this game, the last drive, I had no faith and it ended up being, I ended up being correct as the offense couldn't even get a first down. And, you know, the defense did start to clutch up, but the offense failed them and ultimately, that ended in a late touchdown for the Cow or for the uh, Beavers, and the third consecutive loss for the Bears. Ultimately, this Cal team, after starting four zero, is now four and three, and a lot of that can be attributed to injuries, uh, in particular the offensive line and the quarterback. I mean, when you're missing this many key components of your offense, this many experienced components of your offense. Uh, you can't reasonably expect to get the same options on that side of the ball. And that's what Cal's struggling with right now. Because ultimately, from the looks of these last few games, and even the games before that when they were winning, uh, this team is going to live and die by their quarterback play. And with Modster looking okay, but not great, and particularly with him now being out, uh, you never realize how much you love someone until they're gone. Uh, the, this team is going to have a really hard time generating offense at all. Uh, the run game has been stagnant the last couple of games, mostly because of the elimination of the passing game that had been a strength over the first four weeks, uh, quite frankly. And unless they can get that passing game back, the run game is going to continue to be stilted. I don't expect a 100-yard game from either back uh, next week against Utah. And speaking of Utah, that's going to be a really tough game because this Utah team has shown that they're resilient. They can bounce back from losses. And I think going to Salt Lake uh, is going to be a very tough test. And uh, it's hard to tell what this team's fighting for at this point. I mean, it's probably a bowl game because they've got a tough schedule left. And if they don't win two out of the next five games... They will not make a bowl, so they have. They are fighting for that, and I think they've shown that they are a bowl team. They've played well enough at times, and uh, the defense in particular has played well enough at times to demonstrate that they deserve to be in a bowl game. But the question is, will the results back it up? As always, and right now, you know, I'm not sure. I'd probably put it at a 60% chance to make a bowl game, so I'm, I'm still a little bit positive. But it'll be tough, you know, looking at their schedule, looking at the teams they have to go, or the teams they have to play, and more importantly, <coughs> excuse me, the places they have to go. Uh, it's going to be tough for this Cal team to get there. But, you know, I will continue to watch. I will continue to have faith, you know, and we will go how we go. Uh, second college football game this week that we are featuring the primetime matchup in Happy Valley. You know, for all of the Big Ten's faults, they do know how to draw a crowd, and Penn State's 
whiteout game is something that I look forward to every year because it just looks amazing. It looks like one of the best environments in college football or in sports as a whole. I mean, that amount of unison to have all of those people dressed in white, creating noise, the cauldron of chaos, as Chris Fowler would put it, uh, it's just... I mean, here, it, it, I totally am envious of it. Uh, and, and the game did back it up. The game backed up the environment. It was a great game. And I think the key for Penn State in the first half when they got out to that 21 nothing lead was riding the crowd's energy to kind of punch Michigan in the mouth. I mean, you don't really know what's coming until it hits you. And Michigan had no idea what was coming until it hit them, and they were all of a sudden down three touchdowns. And it looked like we were really on the way to another blowout like it's been the last couple of years. But luckily, give credit to Michigan, Don Brown's defense, and Shea Patterson for demonstrating composure in the face of a huge uh, historic deficit. Uh, and and fighting back, really. Shea Patterson, after not looking that good in, at the beginning of the year, and we were really doubting, you know, does he deserve the starting job? Um, but he fought back in this game, made timely throws. Uh, and only at the end of the day, only a rough drop prevented a tie game. you got to make that catch if you're, I believe it's Ronnie Hill. You've got to make that catch. Um, it's right in your hands. It's right in the bread basket. There's nowhere else he could have put it. Um, but ultimately, they're college kids, and you feel for them. Uh, it, it's hard. You, it's not really right to trash players who aren't being paid for this, who uh, don't have this as a job. Like Mike, if you ever want to see the the ultimate proof of concept, go watch Mike Gundy's rant back at OSU like a decade ago, decade plus ago. But you know, this Michigan team—it's a tough loss for them. Uh, because it's another season where they came in with playoff aspirations and fell short. I mean, this could very well be another 10-3 and borderline New Year's Six season for them. Um, and they, it, it's it's so fresh. It's got to be frustrating if you're a Michigan fan because they're always on the doorstep, right? They're always in contention. contention. But somehow, someway, they always get knocked out. Um, and now we're, what, six years? Five, six years into this into this college football playoff system and they still haven't made a playoff, it's got to be frustrating for the Wolverines. Penn State, meanwhile, builds their resume as a 7-0 undefeated team. This is now their second quality win this season uh, after Iowa. And they've, they haven't played the toughest schedule, but what they have done is play really good defense um, and won every game... And won every game on their schedule, beat every team that they've had put in front of them, and that's all you can really do. Uh, out of the tough matchups left, they got surprising undefeated Minnesota, led by T.J. Fleck of Western Michigan Row the Boat fame, and Ohio State, of course, in, against the boys from Columbus. And so the Penn State-Ohio State game I'm really looking forward to. Um, but don't sleep on Minnesota, and don't sleep on Penn State. Uh, this is a legitimate playoff contender. And if they get a few dominoes to drop correctly, they have a very decent chance of going undefeated um, and making it to the playoff as, as an undefeated Big Ten champ. So I am, and the Big Ten East is not nearly as stacked as the Big Ten West, so I think if they get there, they'll win the championship um, and, and get, go to the playoff. I like this Penn State team led by Sean Clifford, um, and they are going to be an exciting team to watch going down the stretch. Another uh, highlight from this week was Wisconsin going down to Illinois. Illinois, what a scrappy bunch. 
coming in as 30-point underdogs, pull off the second biggest upset, I think, in recent memory. And Wisconsin, it's going to be tough for them because these loss, generally you can only afford one loss, and that one loss in the cultural plant era has to generally be to a team that you aren't expected to beat or you're barely expected to beat. But as Ohio State illustrated with Purdue a few years back, you know, these losses are just kind of unacceptable in the eyes of the committee. And clearly they've fallen all the way to 13. It's going to be very tough for them uh, to crawl back toward contention. And it, it's, it's going to be tough uh, for them. But, you know, they've got talent. Um, and, and they've got Ohio State next week. So if they can win that game, they're right back in it. Um, but for now, they look dead in the water. Uh, that's a wrap for college football week eight. Now let's go to the NFL. Local hour. The Niners beat the Redskins 9 nothing. God, what an ugly game. You know, I coming into this week, I, I called this a trap game. And it really played like a trap game. Um, the Redskins coming in at 1-5 with only a win against the pitiful Dolphins, who are still uh, without a victory after losing to the Bills this week. And the Niners coming in at 6-0, but, you know, sloppy, sloppy, sloppy field conditions prevented anyone from planting, uh, from gathering speed. I mean, it was a really tough environment to play football. Um, it was fun to watch, I think. Uh, but ultimately, I think what the takeaway is from this is that there, there isn't really much, other than the fact that they got a win, um, which was impressive and, and keeps them undefeated. There really is nothing to take away from this. Uh, when the when the offensive conditions are this bad, right? Uh, you can't really judge how they played, and all that really and and even with the defense, they did play well, of course, shutting out the Washington Redskins. Um, but you know, when the field conditions are this bad, again, it's a little hard to judge. But you know, all I know is they came away with a win, and that's what matters. Uh, that they are six and zero, and that. They are in contention. Now with the move of getting Emmanuel Sanders, getting a wide receiver one, uh, this offense becomes all the more deadly. When Jimmy G has a consistent target, he know he can hit. Because he already has, you know, the, the big play guys that you can count on for a couple of big receptions a game. He's got those in spades. You know, Kendrick Bourne, Marquise Goodwin, uh, etc. But, you know, they were missing a, you know, 15-target guy, a guy that can get you six, seven yards, who you look for on third down, who's a big body. And that's what they get in Emmanuel Sanders. And I'm, I'm really, I really like that uh, move. But they do have a test next week, 6-0 Carolina, or 6-0 facing Carolina uh, at home. They're facing a really good offense. Christian McCaffrey's having a career year. Kyle Allen is on a roll, still undefeated after taking over. Um, this is going to be a tough one uh, for the Niners. But if they can win this game, you know, it, this is another test for them. Uh, as long as they stay undefeated, they will continue to have these kinds of tests to prove to the doubters that they're for real, even if there are a few doubters at this point. I mean, they're like number two in basically every power ranking, and that seems about right considering how well the Patriots have been playing. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I think the Niners... Uh, have the best shot that they've had in a long time. They look even better than that 2012 year when they made it to the Super Bowl, 2012-2013. Um, and if they can 
if Emmanuel Sanders can be integrated into this offense well, uh, I really like uh, their chances. They still, uh, I think, sit behind the Patriots, like I said. Um, but other than that, there aren't too many teams in the league that, are, that have defenses this good. I think this defense is what's really pushing them to the top of all those rankings, and rightfully so. All right, so now just a little bit about the MLB playoffs. Uh, the World Series coming up tonight, Tuesday night, with the Houston Astros and the Washington Nationals. I don't think anybody saw the Nationals sweeping St. Louis and uh, heading to the World Series. Wow, the Astros played a delightfully fun series against the Yankees, winning it in six uh, with a walk-off home run by Jose Altuve being the final nail in the Yankee coffin. This series is going to be really fun, I think, because you've got a juggernaut and a team with nothing to lose. I mean, the Nationals, to get this far is so unprecedented in their franchise history. And obviously they want to win it all. But I think this team really has nothing to lose. I mean, if they, even if they don't show out against the Astros, you know, by sweeping the Cardinals, they demonstrated that this is an elite team. And I think that's all that they really had to answer to was, do they deserve to be here? And they answered that with a definitive yes. So not heading into the World Series. I mean, it's going to be really fun to watch, for one, these pitching matchups. Uh, I forget the exact matchups, but with the Astros, you have Verlander and Cole. Um, and I'm forgetting someone. But on the Nationals, you have Scherzer uh, and Corbin. And I'm also forgetting someone. But, and Strasburg. I don't, oh, Granky with the Astros. Anyway, um, it's going to be really fun to see those matchups um, because... And, and it's baseball, so these games could be high-scoring games anyway, uh, just because luck, luck of the draw or unluck of the draw. But to get this amount of hype and this amount of, I guess, even matchups is going to be fun. And to see this amount of youth uh, in the World Series, Juan Soto in particular, uh, is good for the game. And you've got both of these teams are pretty animated. Uh, and so I think that's going to make for a really fun week, two weeks of baseball. Uh, starting tonight, of course. I think the Astros are going to win this series. I think they're just too talented um, and from top to bottom. Um, and they've got World Series experience. They already know what it takes. Um, and I think their roles are a little more defined. But I would not be surprised if the Nationals won this series. I mean, look what, look, look what they just finished doing to St. Louis. Um, and so I, I think it's going to be a really fun series, uh, one I'm looking forward to watching. The NBA, meanwhile, is starting today. Um, the Warriors don't play till Thursday. I'm going to talk a little bit about them. I've said this many times before, but the Warriors are going to struggle significantly uh, without KD and Clay, and they're not going to be a top four seed, right? If they, the the West now is too stacked and more importantly too deep that it's going to be tough for the Warriors to win games at all. Um, I think they have enough talent, and with Steph Curry really um, for sure taking back the helm uh, is going to make the difference. Is going to make a big difference as far as his play. Um, the depth, I think, is what's going to be tough for them. We, it, it's going to be tough for us to see the rotation until we're, you know, a few weeks into the season, of course. And it's going to be tough to 
keep up with some of these deeper lineups that we see in the West now. Um, and it's going to be keep, tough to keep, uh, keep up with the star lineups in the West as well. And that's where I think the Warriors are going to run into some trouble. But nevertheless, the savvy of this team and of Coach Kerr will be enough, I think, to keep them in the playoffs. And I'd be very surprised if they don't make it. Uh, Steve Kerr just said today that uh, it's going to be tough for Clay to get back this season, and I don't doubt him. Um, he said he's not officially ruling him out or anything, and that makes sense. Um, it's Oftentimes it's too early to tell. Um, but even so, he understands that it's going to be a tough road for Clay to come back, and even when he does come back, it'll be tough to reintegrate him back into the team. I mean, we've seen that before with stars going down and coming back, and you know, taking uh, a couple of weeks to adjust. And if he comes back toward the playoffs, uh, it'll be especially tough playing with that intensity all the time. But, you know, you got to make do. And I'm excited to get Ernie, uh, Chuck, Shaq, and Kenny back as well. We'll go back to Inside the NBA. Um, and that's my Warriors preview. Quick take. Patriots trade for Mohamed Sanu. Holy crap, man. Uh... The trade is the New England sending a second-round pick to Atlanta for the wide receiver. This is a little bit of a win-now type of move, you know? I mean, I think the getting Sanu obviously is big, and him getting to go to a good team after the Falcons have had such a disappointing start to the year, I'm sure is a thrill for him. And the Patriots kind of understand that, like, look, Brady's not going to be around forever, and giving up a second-round pick isn't exactly hemorrhaging your future. Um, but a second-round pick is pretty significant. And you're getting a guy uh, who can make plays down the field, who bolsters that already good receiving core, um, and can deliver uh, in the clutch. He's played in the Super Bowl before. He was in the 28-3 game. Uh, and now the Patriots, I'm sure, are happy to have him, and he's happy to be a New England Patriot. And this only... Uh, bolsters what they've got there. It's kind of funny that the Patriots and Niners were the ones who made moves this week, and they're the ones who are undefeated instead of the meddling teams kind of all in the middle of the pot right now. Um, but this Patriots team just got even harder to beat, um, and I'm scared to think about what the AFC is going to have to deal with in the playoffs and the rest of this year. Thank you so much for listening to The Long Takes. This was a subdued episode. I'm a little, uh, a little quiet today, but, you know, you still get the same takes. Check out the podcast, bit.ly slash the long takes, the long takes at gmail.com. Rate and subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and I will see you next week.